Before we get going with tonight's show, I wanted to give a quick apology for the audio quality on the recording. It's not on par with what we've normally brought you, and that's because we had a few technical difficulties that we didn't catch until after we were done recording. So we had to use the audio from the live YouTube videos that we did, which is not on its own track like normal, and it's just not the best quality. So I really appreciate you guys bearing with it for this week, and we'll do better next week. This podcast contains language that is not appropriate for children, including cockwaffle, cockwomble, and chiropractor. And I would say the last one's the worst one. Ooh, I don't know. I don't even know what a what a cut waffle would be. I, I don't either, but I think a chiropractor is worse than, than a lot of things, especially for children. Well, yeah. funny you should say that because this week's episode of the Science Enthusiast Podcast is sponsored by chiropractor Daniel Dobbs and his special adhesive lipstick. Ladies, you know how sometimes you get that not-so-fresh feeling down there? For all those times when your claptrap gets a bit too moist... Mensa's has made labia lipstick. Labia lipstick. Shove it in your cunt. <laughs> how did you do that without laughing? Fucking did, did that in one take, goddammit. How, how did you do that? And also, that's not how it works. I don't know how that's vaginas not, work. Like, well, I mean, it's a well, mystery to modern man. It's obviously a mystery to, to Daniel Dops, too, because I don't think anyone... <laughs> like, a real can person. Say- can we talk about that for a second? <laughs> like, this is a real person, like, with that name. A, a, B, this is a real product from a real company. It's it's real. Um, we'll have a we'll have a link to an article um, that, that um, Coven Synapathy wrote about this real thing, where this guy is essentially saying like, "You have your period. Let's enclose the blood in your <laughs> in you by gluing yourself shut." So what happens? So so you're like, I have <laughs> so. Is it so? Is it just like a temporary, like, I just want to like plug my bits for a minute and then, like, in an hour, like, or, or do you, do you follow me here? Do you literally break the seal whenever you go pee? Yes, that's what happens when you, I guess, you pee and it dissolves. So then you have to carry it with you, I guess. So you realize. And this is in oh place God. of, uh, like, like instead of instead yeah, of using a tampon or a pad, you would use, but, like, doesn't the blood still just come out? <laughs> I'm so sorry. I can't stop laughing. Um, this is yeah. a very serious topic. I don't, I don't see the humor in this. <laughs> like, it's so fucking absurd that, like, some dude is pretty much just saying, I've got the solution, ladies. You're, you've been doing it all wrong. Keep that blood glued inside you until you pee. Fucking hell. All right, let's let's move on because I don't I don't when we talked about cum enough last week, like we're not we're not gonna talk about menstrual blood as much as we talked I about. I mean, cum. this is this is an episode about vaginas though. It is. This it is, is this is well, for the ladies. <laughs> for the ladies. That is true. We're gonna get to a lot of vaginal discharge um in a little bit. <laughs> a lot of vaginal discharge. <laughs> and rabbis and what those two things have to do with each so other. So much vaginal discharge. Yeah, why don't you why don't you welcome everybody to this show? Oh yeah, show that we've got we're still on. doing we're still doing yeah. that part, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Hello, and thank you for listening to the Science Enthusiast Podcast. My name is Dan Broadbent, and as always, I am joined by my spectacular friend Natalie Newell. Thank you for welcoming me to this this disaster that we do every <laughs> whatever week. Whatever the <laughs> fuck <laughs> this is, what whatever the fuck this is. Um, thank you. That's what yeah. I say every morning when I wake up. I go, whatever the fuck this is. Yeah, that's pretty much the same thing for this show. Um, 
So do you want to worship a God that, I mean, it's not going to, it's not going to be as cum filled as last week. <laughs> Is it 50% less cum? It's yeah. It's like at least 50% less. Um, but okay, I can, I'm reading, yeah. I'm reading the Google doc right now and I'm already liking the second paragraph of just the first line. Like yeah, there's, yeah. there's a lot so, here. It looks there, like there's a lot, there's a lot going on. Um, we're going to, we're going to like biblical times um, to this God called L who was this, like the Supreme God of the Canaanites, some of whom later became the um, Jewish people. And we will be talking about, um, Orthodox Judaism later in this episode. So everything's flowing together really nicely. Right, except like, for whenever you talk about how it's flowing together. Fuck you. All right, so <laughs> so he was the he was the supreme god, and like from him, all other gods were like born. But I don't know if born is really the right because I mean I don't know that like he birthed them or did he? I don't you know. Don't know that he didn't. I that's true because I wasn't there to see it happen. I mean. I'm taking everybody's word for this. Um, so, so he you can't was, prove it didn't happen that way. Right. So it's like, if you think checkmate, checkmate, who religious people checkmate, whoever disagrees with me because reasons. Okay. That's not, that sounds good. So um, this, this God from whom all other gods and stuff came, um, he was kind of like a, like, Duggar's gone Mormon. He had a couple wives, like God, goddess wives, but then they had a fuck ton of like God children, sort of. So like he, he had these two wives that he married after he like, he killed a bird by throwing his staff at it. He cooked a fire. Like he told. As you do. Yeah. Like, and I don't know. So he had these, these women, I guess they just, were they like human ish? I don't know. To salute him as the husband. And I don't know. He, he was just like from what everything came and he was into like partying too, which was interesting to me that cause God's like debauchery, I guess. And so he was at a banquet with like hanging out with all the gods, which I guess were kind of like his children at this point, because if everything came from him, he was like dad partying with his kids, which. So kind of like Noah. So kind of like Noah. Yeah, I guess this is kind of like an incest story, isn't it? Because that's nice yeah. and normal. Um, so he, but then like he partied a little too hard. Got a like, little too, yeah. like, like Noah, because yeah, Noah. Like Noah, because he got like way drunk after the He got the way drunk, right. So like, so L gets. Weird, it's weird how like these are oh, all so all similar. So L gets really fucking drunk and like he passes out, he embarrasses himself. It's, you know, it's a whole thing. But then because he's a God, he's like magic. He invents a cure for this drunkenness. So he's like the hangover cure creator. But, but like thinking about it though, he probably, it wasn't probably like a bacon cheeseburger or something because it was like, because that's not kosher. So I don't know what his hangover cure was. It was probably something really weird. Why well, not just why not just not get a hangover in the first place if you're a god? Well, are gods flawed? Did, did, did they so ever think of that? Checkmate atheists. I don't know. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't, but I but don't yes. Know. So so maybe he cured a hangover. But like, I don't know. So he liked to have a good time, but he just didn't know how to handle himself well. I mean, if you're a god, you're right. You probably shouldn't get like blackout drunk you should probably have the power to not do that but 
these stories are stupid. They don't make sense. Like, who wrote this shit? People that were very, very bored, and they probably didn't even write it in the first place because literacy rate was so low back then. Yeah. So, so that. Um, and then you know what was what was good this week? I um on my Facebook page, I posted asking our well, it's pretty much all mutual friends of ours. Like, does anybody have any good gods that they want us to talk about? I have a really fucking good list now. We're gonna have like patron saints of ugly people coming up. We're going to have Mormon Jesus that I'm going to try to get Jason Merkley, friend of the show, to come back and talk about. Um, we've got we've got some good ones coming up. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I, and I, you know what? Also, there's going to be um, another semen-filled one in the future. It's Ooh. on deck. But I didn't want to blow our load two weeks in a row. Counts me in. Yep. <laughs> so. To this. That was to supposed that. to be some sort of Take thing. that as you will. Yeah, we'll take that as we will. And then because we need to we need to move on because we've got vaginal discharge to talk about. We do. As we do. Yeah. <laughs> it's a normal thing. <laughs> In casual so, conversation. Yeah. Common vaginal discharge. That's this podcast. So we are here today with Katya Arie to talk about, um, well, what everybody talks about on a Thursday night, vaginal discharge, Orthodox Judaism, um, all that kind of stuff. So welcome everybody to to this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Katya, thank you for joining us um, tonight to talk about a whole bunch of stuff. Um, So... We came across an article that you had written about your experience um, in the Orthodox Jewish faith, um, and I mean, it, it had it had a very catchy title to it, the article, and um, and talked about some pretty interesting topics. So, um, yeah, let's let's start like before we get to vaginal discharge. Um, <laughs> Which, which is well, like mean, something that guys, we totally wanna, like expected to say. You guys might want to hear how this, how this article came about. Because I actually yeah. wasn't planning on writing it. Richard Dawkins yeah, so, asked me to write it. We were having dinner. And he said, you know what? I don't really know that much. I was telling him my whole story. He said, I don't really know that much about Orthodox Judaism. Can you, what, like, what were some of like, the more irrational practices of Orthodox Jews? I don't really know. And I thought about it and I, you know, you know, I said a few things and I said, and of course the whole like, you know, dirty panties with the rabbis thing. And he like almost started choking on his food. I almost killed him. And he went silent. He said, oh my goodness, you, excuse me, you shocked me. And I was shocked that he didn't know because I thought that, you know, he knows everything about every religion, but I guess, um, you know, Orthodox Jews are so insular and the people that leave um, don't want to, um, I guess, like make their families look bad, whatever it is. And so they've basically been able to hide it. And um, he asked me to write it for his, his blog and I wasn't going to title it, at, you know, anything else besides what, you know, inspired it in the first place was, you know, the whole dirty panties with the rabbis thing. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I had never I had never heard of this before, and um, yeah, I mean, holy shit! I mean, as, as a well, it's just as a, so in contrast 
to what you think of religious wholesome people. I mean, the yeah. married women particularly, you know, I used to cover my hair. I used to wear a wig because when you get married, it's, you know, considered immodest to even show your hair um, to other men who are your husband. So it's, uh, you know, just very strange to have this caricature of Orthodox Jews in the outside world um, just being very wholesome and modest. Um, I know that um, a lot of secular Jews that read um, my article, uh, this is so inconceivable to them that even liberal Orthodox Jews, even modern Orthodox Jews that are, you wouldn't know during the week at work, you know, were even religious because they're not Hasidic to this. They, they, it was so inconceivable to them that, um, you know, they were saying this is slander, this is lies, this is not true, and it's, um, uh, it's a hundred percent true. I made sure that there was nothing in the piece that I didn't specify if there was any change for, you know, any sect, you know, like the right was a little bit more stricter on something or the left was a little less strict. I made sure to cover it all. The entire thing is accurate, but it's just um, very shocking. But I get it because the first time I heard about it um, was when I was being told that I had to do it. So um, I went through the whole, no, this, this can't be true, this can't be real, this is just against everything I've always known, but I didn't do it publicly on Facebook, I did it um, in the rabbi's house with the wife who was teaching me the laws, and I didn't have anybody else to say, this is batshit fucking crazy, get the fuck <laughs> out of here, like, weird. what are you doing? <laughs> Like, all I had was Orthodox people around me who I thought were smarter than me and who knew more than me to, to whitewash it all, to make it seem like um, not only to go against my instincts. That was the only narrative I heard. And it was actually part of my motivation for being so public about this was that, um, you know, I, it's not, you know, you're not really free if you can't, you know, hear all ideas. And I didn't have uh, the opportunity to hear the counter arguments to what the rabbis and their wives were telling me. But yet, I mean, there, there obviously had to be that, you know, voice inside you that was just like, yeah, this is, this is fucking crazy. Like, yes, that- but I had, I had been through it already many times by then, uh, in cults, you know, you kind of, you don't like lose all of your rationality overnight. You know, it's like little by little, you know, and then eventually you get to a point where something that like you would easily recognize as just complete insanity, um, just isn't. It's almost like Stockholm syndrome where you know, everybody's like, you know, looking at the kidnap victim from the outside and saying, oh, my God, you could have just like run out the door to the neighbors right there. You would have been OK. But when you're in it, that's not what you see. That's not the perspective that you see. So even though I, I was like, yeah, this is batshit crazy, like I was trained to like second guess myself and to listen to 
the rationalizations, which um, were actually all very, uh, people are surprised when they hear that, you know, in, in cults, the rationalizations that the leaders give you for practices that are so obviously crazy aren't irrational. They sound very rational. They could be rational. They're not irrational. It's just that at the end of the day, you know you shouldn't be doing this, you know? You know that there's something wrong with this, no matter how rational the argument is. So as, you know, I wrote in the article that, you know, their main argument is that these are basically like, you know, it's just like when you go to the OBGYN. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. He's a doctor, he's helping you. And this is basically the same thing, except instead of your physical body, it's your spiritual soul. Through your vagina. Uh, <laughs> right. So, so can you like, can you talk through what this whole process is that kind of involves this idea of what is it like the laws of family purity and all of this kind of thing? Like what? Well, yeah, it, yeah. This was all new to me. All of what I've read. So. Well, it it comes from a time in history where you know, menstruating women were, I mean, men were afraid of them. You know, they believed in ghosts. They believed in demons. They believed that bad fucking shit could happen from a woman who was like bleeding and had her period, you know, in the Jewish writings, you know, they said that if a woman walked between two men, like one of them could die <laughs> or, the, or they could like cause- We have a lot of power, I guess. Or the, yeah, yeah, or it could cause strife between them. <laughs> yeah, they could like ruin their friendship. Um, <laughs> you know, they didn't have the tiniest idea what you know what was going on. Um, and women were actually really banished. So that's where the whole like don't even touch comes from. Now today, you know, there was a it, it's completely you know turned around into be like this empowering thing by the rabbis where they tell you that. You know, the reason that there's so much, they say the reason there's so much secular divorce is because the secular world is so indulgent and so hedonistic and you just get like so filled up with pleasure so much that like it doesn't give you pleasure anymore. And then like you start taking your spouse for granted, you want to get a divorce and because you want to fuck someone else or whatever. And that's why the secular world is so screwed up. Now It's a slippery slope of just <laughs> too much good stuff and then just... All the bad. Right. Jesus Christ. Um, and, you know, that's one of those things I said, like, sign, it, it, to a 20-year-old that has no life experience, it can kind of sound like it sort of makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, if you, you know, are deprived of something for, like, a period of time, you know, maybe you'll appreciate it more. Um, the problem with that is that in practice, it's it's nothing like that. It's a bunch of emotional neglect. Um, because obviously touch is important. I mean, we hug our kids. Touch is important for love. It's not just sexual. So the fact that you're not going to touch your wife half the time because you can't fuck her basically means you're not a human. You're just like a sexual object. And, um, so, and you end up, you know, not being able to be together when it might be a good night for you. And uh, being forced to be together when it might not be a good night for you, for whatever reason, kids, I don't know, life, you're tired. 
And uh, I don't know if you could ever find any normal psychologist that would say that that's a good thing for a relationship. Um, so, you know, there's a, women eventually learn, you know, a few years in, into marriage that it wasn't, you know, what they were sold. It was, it's not, and it's sad, and it's painful. But um, they're so indoctrinated that this is absolute truth, that God will punish them if they don't do this, that um, they, they just rationalize it as, okay, so the rabbis, you know, maybe we're just trying to like make it better than it is, but that doesn't change that God said, I have to do this whether I like it or not. You know, like I might want to eat a cheeseburger, but it's not kosher. So I can't, like same thing. Like, you know, I hate not being able to touch my spouse half the time and I'm depressed and lonely and sad, but you know, like tough, like this is what God wants. And I'd rather put up with that now than an eternity of him punishing me. So and that's so, what goes through their minds. And that's the not touching part. And um, so obviously like that's hard for, that's hard for the woman. And, but then like, what's that discussion like between like a husband and a wife where you're just like, well, I'd like to touch you now, but sorry. Like, or is it even a discussion? In the yeah, so, so part of me, that's part a better of, question. That's a, no, that's a great question because part of what the rabbis say is, oh, when secular couples, but, you know, first of all, you always have to, like, demonize the people that aren't, you know, keeping, like, the same ritual that they're trying to promote, you know? Like, when secular people fight, they don't actually talk and work out their issues. They just, like, have makeup sex. And like they never like <laughs> work. Which anything. is like, you know, not that bad. <laughs> no, although I mean I don't know anyone who's like starts having sex while they're still fighting. Usually they make up first. <laughs> and then they, you know, have makeup sex, which is a beautiful thing. You, know, you don't I mean, you don't know what I do. <laughs> that's true. No oh, judgment. <laughs> and, um <laughs> Um, they, 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 you know, they have to like demonize people that like don't keep it say They just, but like, you know, when, when you can't touch each other and you can't do that, it just, you have to communicate to make up, you have to talk and it just brings you so much closer. And again, it sounds Why not both? Rational. Why not both? Well, it's just not like that in reality that like, first of all, nothing can like replace like a uh, hug. Uh, 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 it's like, what do you say? Wait, I mean, you say like, I really would hug you right now if I put mental hug, like air hug. Like, you know, oh, imagine awful. you didn't hug your kid and said like, I really like, I'm thinking like hug right now. Like, it's just not the same. And even when you're reunited, I mean, you don't really feel close after having gone into like the friend zone for like two weeks. Um, so. <laughs> right. Because it is, it's, it's such a like ebb and flow type of thing where it's like you, you're, you're in that zone where you, what you can like be intimate or whatever and be like two humans who. You can't be human. You, know. you can't be, you can't be normal. It's like I was, I think I, I wrote to Dan earlier today. It's kind of like, you know, when kids come into your marriage, it kind of makes, you know, your sex life hard because all of a sudden, you know, it's like not around when the right time is and when it's natural, but it's about when it's possible. And that's hard and something that like we have to get through. So imagine that on your marriage times like a thousand. That's basically, that's basically what it does. It's not romantic. And, uh, 
And uh, it's unfortunate because it's um, ex extremely unnecessary. And actually, the woman that wrote the paper in the 1970s that kind of wrote like the go-to apologetics for these practices that um, the rabbis used, she, in the 90s, she uh, retracted everything she wrote after like a few decades of marriage and realizing that it, oh, it really that sucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She was basically like, I was young and stupid and it's all bullshit. But, you know, now it's like become like a staple of the Orthodox world theology. Well, because it's like, okay, so there's, there's obviously the issues, you know, between a husband and wife in the home where you have to navigate this very strange relationship, the two of you. But then you're like, you're involving... A rabbi okay and, a, a special rabbi no less so like um, yeah yeah so <laughs> um i don't even know where to start with this one <laughs> i don't know how many people have read i don't know how many people have read the article so maybe i should just say that you know after the woman's period is done she can't just be reunited with her husband she has to have what's called seven days of completely clean first and during those seven days, she can't just not have her period. She has to do these uh, internal checks. So they're, they're, they sell like a Jewish, at like women's mikvahs, which is this place where you go for your ritual bath after the seven days are over, these white cloths. And um, you have to do an internal examination twice a day for seven days in the morning and before sundown. And you have to wear white underwear. And uh, if there's anything that is darker than tan and bigger than the size of a penny, um, you have to take it to a rabbi and he will determine if it is too dark that, and blood-like that you need to start counting the seven days over. Or, which is horrible, if, like, you're, like, really aching for a hug and you thought, oh, it's going to be, like, in, like, four days. Just, like, basic like, oh, human kind. No, just, just kidding. It, like, just went back up to seven days. <laughs> <laughs> the clock starts over again. Okay. Sorry, everybody. Like, or not a human you, for or if, uh, you know, you can keep on counting. I, you know, I had a friend when we were newlyweds that, I mean, her normal discharge color was darker than tan. I don't know. It was just kind of, like... Everybody, everybody's body is different. And she would have to take her underwear basically every single day of the seven clean days um, to her rabbi. And, you know, she didn't, she didn't care because uh, what she was really focused on was, you know, reuniting with her husband. And um, so, you know, especially, you know, when you're young and, like, you just get married, like, the aching of like two weeks of not being able to like touch in the same house and sleeping in the same room it just feels so long so awful that you just I mean it's like it it doesn't even feel like a big deal to take your underwear to a rabbi it's like here anything you have to do so that like you know we can be together again it's like you're well, in a long distance relationship in the same house right like it's 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 very cold and um, but the ta the taking the panties to the rabbis thing there's different there's different ways to do it I think 
there was a trend starting when I um, first got married, which I think was like 12, 12 years ago. I'm I've been divorced for a while now. But um, 12 years ago where this, uh, instead of having to go just get, you know, give the underwear to the rabbi or something, he had this mailbox um, on the side of his house. And you could put your underwear in an envelope and just put your cell phone number, not your name. <laughs> and <laughs> he would, he would, he would get cookies. a phone call later and he would say, this is Rabbi so-and-so. And he would say either kosher, meaning you can keep on counting, or not kosher, meaning you have to like, sorry, not kosher. You have to start counting like seven clean days over. And um, so, you know, everybody's started like sending their underwear to him because <laughs> that was just, you know, so, so much better. Like, I mean, at, yeah, as you do. Yeah. Or they, they, they would say like, Oh, if you're embarrassed, you could always, you could always give it to the rabbi's wife and she'll give it to him, which uh, personally, I found that to be way more like way. More, I never did that. I thought that was way more embarrassing to like give my panties to a woman like a, a rabbi's wife to give to him to look to me that was more embarrassing so I, I think every everything about this is like there's no good way to have to have somebody look at your underwear like no, no but no, it's no. It, you know it's it's a it's just really the perfect example of how you know, especially with the modern Orthodox, you know, I would say like the centrist Orthodox, the Hasidim, okay, fine. You know, we, we know that like, they're really like brainwashed and just like totally out of society, but like modern Orthodox people, they're totally normal. Like I said, like, you know, I, I hated, I used the, the example of Ivanka Trump in the article. I hated that I had to like bring it in, but really she's, she's the only public example that people could like maybe relate to that they would know like what level I mean when I say modern Orthodox and uh, for otherwise normal people in the sense that they're functioning in society and they're not living in a primitive time and to be behind the scenes uh, doing something so irrational is just, I mean, to me is just really interesting um, how how uh, motivated reasoning can uh, really like just lead even normal people completely astray to do that shit crazy things. So then, what I'm what I'm curious about with you then, obviously you are you are no longer in a situation where you are um, practicing no <laughs> rituals. So so what what I'm always curious about is like how so, like how do you come out of that? Like what was there a moment where you're just like nope, like, I'm done. I'm done with this. So I, or, is, I, or is it a process? There, you know? there was, like, a straw that broke the camel's back, and there was, like, the initial cracks. But I would say, I don't know how it is for other people coming out of, like, sort of a fog of just being completely just indoctrinated. I don't know what it's like, but the same way I kind of got into it, which is, was not overnight. It was like little by little by little. And then all of a sudden, like you find yourself just like, you don't even know who that person was like before you were brainwashed. The same thing. I would say like thing after thing, after thing, after thing. And then I think what sped up the process 
was uh, basically that we, I mean, we have the internet these days. I was able to, you know, learn about critical thinking. I was able to hear alternative arguments. I used to watch, used to hide in my room um, when no one was looking and watch like, you know, Richard Dawkins videos and Sam Harris debates. Um, and so you had access to information is what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, I had access to information. Weird and how that and, works. And I started learning about, you know, fallacies and, you know, things like that. And it was just basically every day I started to realize, hmm, I was wrong about this. Hmm, I, you know what, that, that really doesn't make any sense. And then like, you know, any, basically every day, anything like a rabbi would say, it, it just like started to sound more and more off and then one day I finally decided, hey, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna I'm gonna read the Torah, the Bible, the Old Testament. I mean my entire life is based on this book and I've never actually read it. That's fucking crazy. So I I'll read it. And that I mean that was really like the end. That was really like the end. Cause all all it takes is to actually read it. They right. read it and then yes, oh, and I actually none tried, of this I, makes sense. Yeah, and I tried to get some of my fellow Orthodox uh, friends to read it. Um, and I would say, like, aren't you guys, like, even like, curious to know what's in there? Because, like, you're, like, our whole lives have been, don't you think it's kind of weird that we've been, like, dedicating our whole lives to this book and we've never read it? They weren't um, interested. They, they weren't interested. They just... Uh, didn't want to rock, I guess, rock the boat. I guess they were happy, like, living in whatever delusion it was. And to have and that, so like, faith or whatever. We're no longer... Which is based in no yeah, evidence. And, yeah, yeah, we're no longer friends. Not because anything bad. <laughs> not because anything bad. So where were you... Got to, like, where were you living, like, whenever this was all, like, this was all happening? Well, thankfully, I was in L.A. And, okay. um... I am from here, and I didn't grow up Orthodox, so um, I had a much easier time um, than people who grew up Orthodox. I, you know, had a regular education until my freshman year of college. Um, I got uh, brainwashed by some, you know, Jewish Orthodox missionaries on campus. Left to go to Israel with them, and basically just got completely brainwashed and never came back um, until I was engaged um, to be married. But um, my family's not religious. And so, you know, I didn't really have to like deal with the like, oh, my family's like cutting me off, like any of that stuff. And that was also why I have like the unique like position of being able to kind of like speak out so publicly about this practice um, because I don't, you know, I don't feel like I'm betraying like my parents or my siblings or anything like that. Well, and that's the hard thing that you see sometimes with people who have left uh, some kind of faith or faith cult, whatever you know we want to call it. But like, there's that the tie to their family and that. Well, not only that, yeah, but the whole community that yeah. that you've been around and been been surrounded with and then now you have to you have i imagine none of them like you said like you're not friends with these yeah. people anymore well you know even not being friends with them i felt extremely guilty um the day after the article posted i i had massive anxiety i had massive guilt for being you know for 
I didn't write anything that wasn't true. I just wrote what was true, but just because I knew it was just so appalling. Um, you know, I felt like, I felt like a traitor. Like the only way I can describe it is the way that like, uh, you know, when abused wives call the police, they end up feeling guilty afterwards, even though they were right. But like just having had like a past connection with someone and like remembering your connection with them and the good, you know, I was like thinking about like, at least were people I had like Shabbat dinners and holidays with, you know, and like I betrayed them. And so I really did like feel um, guilty, but I didn't, you know, I, I, that lasted about two days. <laughs> and, <laughs> and um, you know, I think it's just like my, you know, it's like human to like feel guilty about like that type of stuff. Um, but I'm glad I did it because, um, you know, it, I, something unexpected happened that I really wasn't, you know, I thought it was only going to be really shared in the atheist community, but it started going around the Orthodox community and it got a lot of conversations going about the treatment of women in the Orthodox world. And suddenly there were people, uh, especially men, standing up for women and having some change in the Orthodox world because of my article that otherwise they would have never even thought about it. Um, the Surprisingly, to, at the time, to me, at the time, it was only like two months ago when the article first came out, but what shocked me was the men were... Uh, more supportive of maybe some change um, and the women were extremely defensive that there was absolutely nothing wrong with the practice or with rabbis checking underwear and that I was a horrible person for even writing it. And why, and why do you what, think I mean, why do you think that... So that's why we do this together. <laughs> um, I think that people just, you know, I think it's, again, it's just kind of like a form of like Stockholm syndrome, you know, and like, you have to like, you know, tell yourself like certain things to be able to live with them and live with it. And you told yourself that thing for so long that like, you really believe it, you know, they really believe that like, this is what God wants. And, um, they really believe that, um, I, me just talking about it plainly and not like lacing it with apologetics and whitewashing in the way that they're used to, like that's their normal. So when they read my article, which was just not whitewashing, it was just information, they thought that I wrote it in like, a, like a negative, like I was trying to make the practice look bad when it really wasn't like that. But, um, you were just kind of stating the facts. Like, this, yeah, is, this but, is they're, what but they're but they're normal. If like with like yeah. a positive spin on it, so to them it sounded like that's like the way they're used to hearing it is just information, and yeah. I was like using language like you know vaginal discharge, you know taking <laughs> your dirty panties to rabbis. That's not how the people in the community speak. They say you take a question to a rabbi. Okay. So oh, your so so discharge is a question. The question is in like a sentence with a question mark at the end. The question is like your yeah. discharge yeah, that he has to look at and decide. But I mean, that type, you know, the language really, really, it makes like a huge difference. I mean, that's a, that's a hell of a euphemism for. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a question for you like this. So. <laughs> Yeah, no, if you, if you go into the link, you know, it'll say, like, 
you know, you know, if, if you're not, if it's this, you need to take, you need to go ask a, a, a rabbi, you need to take your question to a rabbi, but they're not talking about asking like in words. Here, here's, here's my question. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, okay. So I, so you obviously have like, you've experienced this, you've come out of this, um, just, I mean, something that I, before I read your article had never even known existed. Um, if, if there's a, you know, a young woman or a woman who's been in this type of faith for a long time, what advice do you have to somebody who's starting to question, like whether what they're doing, like makes sense logically and in the big picture for life? If I had to, wow, that's a big question for me. Um, if I had to narrow it down, cause I could talk about that for so many hours. If I had to, <laughs> if I had to narrow it down, I would say that, um, you know, the entire religion, every practice in the religion is approached when you're in it. Like, um, I don't know if you, if you guys know who Julia Galef is from lesswrong.com, mm-hmm. you know, she's got the whole, she has this, um, you know, analogy where you can either be a lawyer or you could be an investigator and a lawyer, you know, already has a conclusion and he's going to like, you know, cherry pick like the evidence to like fit that conclusion to like, you know, get to that conclusion. And, um, the investigator will look at everything and has like no nothing invested in a particular conclusion and will you know go wherever the evidence leads them even if you know it's not what they want to hear in the end um try to be that type of person i mean even if you stay religious just in your own mind that's really what happened to me was I didn't actually think about not being Orthodox anymore. It was completely like not an option in my mind because I was like, what, I'm going to like give up my entire life. I can't do that. It was just in my own mind. I let myself go where the evidence took me. And then eventually when that stayed with me for long enough, it didn't feel like a big deal to like leave anymore. So I would say, don't pressure yourself. I mean, even if it's in your own mind, just let yourself like follow the evidence. It's okay. I like that. I like just the idea of being an investigator. Yeah. And I think that, that that applies to so many aspects of life, whether it's, um, you know, rabbis and underwear and that kind of stuff <laughs> or just any, anything, anything. And so I think that that's, that's a message that can be just carried to so many different, different places. Yes, so. it is. And uh, that's why um, I actually, that's why I support the Center for Inquiry and Richard Dawkins, because I don't really think that like there's any way, having been a person that was brainwashed, I really don't think that there's any way to talk someone out of being religious if they don't actually yearn for the, you know, the truth over being religious you have to like make you know like kind of instill like wanting to have true beliefs in kids when they're you know young instead of telling them you know you have to think this you have to think that and um yeah so that's yeah so yeah i guess it it all goes goes back to questioning critical thinking questioning investigating all of that yeah because i didn't have and this is important. I didn't have 
Richard Dawkins on YouTube watching him on the internet or Sam Harris or anybody saying anything about Orthodox Judaism. Nothing. Like nobody was talking about that. But it was them teaching me how to recognize fallacies, you know, learning. And once I knew that, I could figure it out on my own. I could see it on my own. And it, I didn't need someone to like walk me through it and point, point it out. I think had somebody tried to convince me at the time, I think I probably would have, uh, you know, convinced them that they were wrong successfully and probably made them Orthodox Jews. You know, I feel really bad about this, but, you know, I convinced other people to be Orthodox at the beginning of my, you know, time in that world. And I don't know what happened to them. Maybe they're still religious, maybe not. I thought I was doing the right thing, but I was mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I just think it's really cool that you, you know, you wrote that piece, you've, you know, kind of shown some light on something that really, I, I don't think a lot of people know happens. And Well, I think we have to like, talk, yeah. we have to like talk about how, uh, you know, th there, there are consequences to not having rationality, you know, it's not like, oh, as long as like, you know, nobody hurts anybody. What's the harm? No, there is harm. Just because you don't see it out on the street doesn't mean that there's no harm behind closed doors. No. It's a very, very good point. And so, yeah, thank you for, for just, you know, speaking out. I think it's always, like, important to have those messages get put out there. And, you know, that's the power of, like, social media and blogs and all this kind of stuff where people can tell their stories. And so thank you for talking to thank us. Thank you for too. having and, me. Yeah. And um, yeah, so, and I guess thank you for anybody who watched this tonight. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, yeah. sorry, whatever, you know, uh, people of the internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not both? Um, apparently, apparently my audio was not uh, going through on the actual stream that we had until like oh. just now because oh. I don't know how to use yeah. this program that I'm using. I know. Oh, that was well, good. Like, and, that's why, and that's why I'm like, <laughs> half like trying to like get involved and half like I can't hear anything. So all right. Well good um stuff. We're, we all grew, we all learned something. Good, good stuff. Yeah. Yes. Did I talk too good much? Stuff. I hope not. I tend to ramble. <laughs> that was fantastic. No, you, you gave you gave the full story that we wanted to tell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, so if if oh, we no. if we wanna hear see read more about you uh what are some places we can go to do that oh my goodness i don't you know what i don't know yet because i'm still trying <laughs> which i like all of a Fair sudden enough. i'm like like the famous ex-orthodox girl you know and um i mean if you want to write where you can get more i mean just say that like i'm working on like writing more stuff because that's what i am <laughs> Wait, can you, is there any way you guys can plug this book? I don't make any money off of it. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah plug whatever. The yeah. I, the, Natalie, you know what book I'm talking about, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, do you, yeah, you want to talk about it? Say what it is? Like right now? Like on the thing? Oh, I wasn't really prepared to plug it. I thought oh. maybe you guys could oh, just... Oh, 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 yeah, we'll, we'll, put it, we'll put it in the notes for the show. Okay. All yes. right, because it's been, like, endorsed by Lawrence Krauss. It's, like, a big thing. There's, like, the last one was on evolution, and the next one is on critical thinking. And it's basically, I mean, I would describe it as Dr. Seuss 
meets science or mm-hmm. Dr. Seuss meets critical thinking. And there were no books What's like it? that. It's awesome. What's it called? Annabelle and Aiden, the story of life. That's the first one. And who's the writer or is it like a group of writers? He's, no, he's actually, he, here, I'll show you. I have he's, um, uh, it's actually, you see it? Mm-hmm. It's actually, and you can see the endorsement at the bottom, whatever. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's a number one bestseller on Amazon. And he's basically, and he has to use a pseudonym because he's like stuck in the Orthodox world. And he's not a believer anymore, but he really loves his wife. And um, so he like pretends like he's Orthodox and is still in that world. But behind the scenes, he's like writing all of these like amazing like books for kids that are becoming like bestsellers on Amazon. And I just kind of helped the, you know, get like the ball rolling on the first one. And um, I just really, I don't make any money off of it. I just really, really like believe in it. I'm like, it really, now that like, I kind of like left the matrix, it's just like sort of like become my, my passion. I, I have no hope for like my parents' generation and this generation in terms of like critical thinking. Like they're just, you know, I don't know. They just, but like the next- I was gonna say I have no hope, just full stop. <laughs> oh, even for the next few generations? Yeah, maybe just, you're right. No, he, you have to have hope, Dad. You have to. We will have hope for no, you. No, I felt like you're giving up, like, now and then, like, the past, like, few months. I might as well plug the book. We will plug yeah. the book. Okay. Absolutely. Thank you. Yes. reason we love the internet is the Facebook page Trolley Problem Memes. It's awesome. It's funny and lots of lots of death involved. Yeah, I mean that's the whole thing is yeah. it's a the trolley problem is you see a trolley coming down the track and then you can either save what one person or save five people. Either way, you're An making asshole. the decision for somebody to die and it's I mean much like life there's Everything, things are just not as good. They're never great. They're just, they're just, they just are. The Dad Broadbent story, life <laughs> just is. <laughs> so, so here's one where it says, I hate it when my parents blame me for these things and a few emojis. And it's like a broken dish, a spilled wine glass, a broken window, and then just blood stained people. Well, in, in the the, set, the setting is you've you've left left the trolley to run over the five people. Yeah, you run over five people, but yeah. you can make the decision to save five people and just kill one person instead. So you were a dick. But either way, either way, dad. somebody dies. Like yeah. it's a good yeah. story. All right, what do you have? Here's a here's a relevant one. We have the Orthodox Jew trolley problem. It's Sabbath, and you can redirect to the trolley and save a. Safe the the guy the the guy, but you've already walked two thousand steps today. The lever's a few steps away. Do you violate the Sabbath? And it shows somebody like with with each with each step. Now this oh, no, one, it says goy. It, it, I think it that's supposed to be. That. I think yeah. that's supposed to be offensive on a it, few I levels. Think, I think gotcha, it gotcha. Now, now this one, it's not. It doesn't actually have a trolley in it, but. 
it's a it's a guy and it says there's no moral dilemma if there's no morality. So I guess that's for all the assholes out there who don't care if they kill people in the trolley problem. <laughs> what else do you have? Oh, here's here's one for you, Dan. It's about memes. Okay. It's a guy pull it's a guy with a lever and it says, You have well, this this really doesn't apply to you, truly, because it says <laughs> you have you have a small Facebook meme page. Yeah. The question is, do you spam your content in other pages' comments? See, I don't spam content. No. That's, I mean, that's how I built built my main page was just like commenting as my page yeah. on things and people like it. And then that's how I got my first 200 social uh, media ever. The but it, they, it was all relevant. It was all relevant. Yeah. Now I just have an army of pages that I circle direct from and hate me for it. I don't give a shit. I, I, do not, I do not hate you for the circle jerk. <laughs> because I'm a part of it, so it's okay. Right, you you directly benefit. There's also uh, <laughs> this guy sitting next to the track, and and God is on one of the tracks, but like both tracks still run over five people. You can give a good scientific explanation of the universe without the entity of God. Do you do it anyway? And then that that's not a good one. I didn't read that one before I started. We'll cut. Well, all, all I see, I see one that where one's... there's a, I see a Nazi punch one, and I'm scrolling past it because I'm not. Oh no, not... let's do it! I can't. I, I didn't catch up with that one yet. Oh, oh I think I found it. It's on January 26th, and it says the liberal trolley problem. If you don't pull <laughs> the switch, the what an, antifa anti it's anti-fascist. An, an, anti-fascist. Right? Yeah, doesn't antifa. Punch, it doesn't punch the Nazi who then goes out and bashes five minorities. However, if you pull the switch, the anti-fascist will punch a Nazi, causing a New York Times columnist to rebuke you for not respecting his right to free speech. <laughs> what do you do? I'm just not, you know what? I don't. Oh, I just what, love what how I, specific it do, is. Five minorities <laughs> or New York Times columnists. What I do is not, I'm just, I just don't want to talk about um, punching Nazis, but of course that uh, Well, you just shouldn't punch people for their ideology unless... See, in that example, though, he's representing a, a direct threat. Mm-hmm. Yes. He's saying, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go, like, fucking, like, beat up somebody. Yeah, so... I don't so even want to finish I, that because yeah, you cut yeah. that out and then just... People I'm gonna go punch yeah. some yeah. minorities. All right, find, find, story. find one more to... Because we're not gonna end on Nazi. Last one. one. Yeah. Last one. <laughs> right. Yeah. Last one. You got a trolley and you got two tracks. You kill Hitler, but also kill Einstein. Or you kill Stalin and also kill Tesla. I don't know. Which one? What right? Do? What do you do? That's a that's a discussion for another podcast. <laughs> I don't know because <laughs> I value Einstein more than I do Tesla. Yeah, yeah. I that, But that, Hitler that, was much worse than Stalin because the enemy of our enemy is our friend. Trolley problem. See, that's I don't that's, I don't know what the, the answer problem. is. Send your response to <laughs> podcast at <laughs> or don't. <laughs> but then we can't we can't move on from this unless we talk about multi track drifting. Multi track drifting. Multi track drifting is when you you flip the switch when it's halfway there, then you get both. Oh, then then one then do we just kill everybody? Well, you and then hope that there's well, that, another like brilliant mind that comes up with that stuff with the good stuff. But then there's, there's well, there's one. Anyway. There's one that says it has you know, and it looks like it's a bunch of people laying down there, mm-hmm. and they're spelling out the word 
words send nudes each on its own track. So that's an example I think you do multi-track drifting. Because nudes? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's why we like the internet this week. We have we did get some more good submissions for this um, segment too. So Tom Williamson, if you're listening, yours is probably going to be up next week because it made me laugh out loud, literally. So if you made it this far, thank you for joining us for this week's episode. If you enjoyed listening, please consider leaving us a five-star rating on iTunes. You can also check out our full archive at scienceenthusiastspodcast.com. You can reach out to us and tell us what you think about uh, our YouTube video thing that we've been doing for a while now at podcast at a science enthusiast.com follow the podcast page on facebook follow natalie's page follow my page we'll have all these links to everything but like if you're like really super cool and like really super like us because you're super awesome you can also you know become a patron at patreon.com slash tse podcast and then you get access to like bonus content and like early episodes and like all sorts of stuff like that and plus then you'll be in the company of michael trevor alice michael michael felix amanda chris james sarah and jose and like those are all like cool people like they're some of my favorite people i don't know most of them but i'm sure they're nice i mean they give us money right right am i wrong you, you're not wrong. So why don't you hit us with a quote? Okay. Believing there is no God means the suffering I've seen in my family, and indeed all the suffering in the world, isn't caused by an omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent force that isn't bothered to help or is just testing us, but rather something we may all be able to help others with in the future. No God means the possibility of less suffering in the future. And that is Pungelette. And thank you to Jeff for submitting that quote. Well, that means we can control the future and, and change it. It'll be. Yes. Yes, we can. So it won't be consistently. Awful. We, we can extinguish golden dick the fucking fire. And yeah. come coming out of. Everywhere. 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 <laughs> everywhere. Just everywhere. So, um, you know, if anybody is still listening, I'll tell you that next week we will be back again to torment you with the awful things that we say, but we, that we will be joined by, um, one of our favorite non-ginger-haired nerds, Miles Power, um, who came to the show armed with his favorite, some of his favorite swears. I mean, he really integrated horsecock into the discussion really nicely. Um, so come back for that. And he also talked about a bunch of interesting shit. You know, he's awesome. Um, come for Miles come, <laughs> and oh, stay yeah. for the horsecock. Yeah. All right. So Why not both? Yeah. Okay, so now that they've heard us do this and you know you guys have listened to this like is there anything you can recommend for them to listen to or watch or read next to like cleanse their palate of that we've done to them well yesterday i spent my evening watching this tv channel called comment i don't know i don't have cable it's just a free channel and they just it's theater 3000 like all the time and i mean i was pretty happy with that they had a story out about a giant and Nice. It was awful, but yeah. but but funny. There's that. So yeah, yeah, go watch some MST3K. All right, that's your recommendation. Me. Oh, I saw the Lego Batman movie fairly recently, and it was yeah, good. it was awesome. I read. I finished reading um, the Parenting Without God book that Dan Errol wrote. Um, he's going to come on the show and talk about it sometime, and uh, that was that was really good. Um, and and yeah. Yeah, so that's a couple couple things that are that are cool and um, 
yeah, so we'll be back to grace people's ears with this again next week. Caress. <laughs> Just gent- we'll be gentle and <laughs> we will. We will be we'll be gentle with everybody. We'll establish oh, safe oh, words. You know what? Hold on. Before we go, like happy birthday to my favorite co-host. Tomorrow is your birthday. So the day that the show comes out, you will be 33 years old and one day. You will be Jesus year plus one day. Yay. Does that mean happy does birthday, that mean Dan. I, I get crucified now. Well, the goal actually is to make it past Jesus. Like you we, I want you can to get I, Can I can I be crucified if I really want to? I mean if you're into that, I think that there's ways. It's my body, it's my it, choice. Yeah. So your body, your choice, go for it. But like I guess I just don't want if you want to do that, just don't let it end in death. All right, because I have a feeling if you tried to but like that's do- that's the whole point of crucifixion. Well, yeah. Okay, then I, I'll have to find <laughs> another co-host who's gonna who's gonna do this. Like, I don't think that this is a position that like anybody's gonna jump at filling. I it's it's not <laughs> fun. It's not. Uh, <laughs> it's fucking awful. It's, so it's it's it's. I mean, it's not the worst though. So, so there's some, there's so something, there. there's, there's some potential there. Yeah. Okay. So, but still like, I'd rather you just, you make it another year. I kind of like doing this show. So I would prefer to not die yet. Okay, cool. I Let's, want to eventually. Yeah, 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 me too. I mean, everybody does eventually. Like I had this conversation time. with somebody at work the other day. Like I don't understand why anybody wants to live forever because then you don't know anybody. Like, that's got to be miserable. Yeah. yeah. I already so, know so few people. So, let's, let, yeah, like, let's just live the appropriate amount of time. Enjoy, enjoy <laughs> yeah, life. <laughs> live the appropriate amount of time. That's right. And if you are watching us on Facebook on the live video here, thank you. Yeah, thanks for sorry. <laughs> and I'm sorry. Like, I feel like everything needs to be both a thank you and an apology when Absolutely. we do this. This is, and then this is the point in time in the podcast where nobody's watching or listening that I say, well, and Milo has some good ideas. We're the bodily fluid show now. We're for the kids. All right. I'm going to make enchiladas now. That's uh, not, that's not a euphemism. I want it to be a euphemism. Like I, I, I want to know what, what, like, what, what would that be? <laughs> I don't know. Nothing. I want to know what that means. We're going to make enchiladas. Like, like what does that mean? The music you heard tonight was written and performed by Adam Johnson and was used with his permission. You can contact Adam at adamjohnsondc at gmail.com. This podcast is property of Not Narrow or Straight, LLC, all rights reserved.